making brands and sales of SA's entertainment industry. Business of Entertainment with Martin Myers on K-Talk. On K-Talk. Good evening to the listeners of Cape Talk. It's just past 9pm on Thursday night on Cape Talk and you're tuned in to the show The Business of Entertainment with me, your host, Martin Myers. I look forward to welcoming you into my world of the business of entertainment for the next 30 minutes. We bring in guests to have a fireside chat to talk about what they are doing on the business side of the entertainment industry to inspire us all. You can tweet us at Cape Talk. You're tuned in as you are on 567am or you can try the DSTV channel 885. And it's a wonderful Thursday night and I'm delighted to have a stunning guest with me this evening. A man I've known for, he said to me, over 20 years. Well, he's got two children. The one's 11 and the other one I think is probably a little bit younger. But Roy can spread the news about his kids and family. But we're not here to talk about his kids and family. I'm welcoming... A dear friend of mine, Roy Harmon, who's been in the music business for over 20 years. He worked at EMI. He was a label manager. He then moved to Cape Town, is integrally involved in Mojo Market, which is at the end of Seapoint. He's worked with some stellar acts, household names, such as Luiso, and he's just started working with, yes, the Soweto Gospel Choir. He also worked with a band who's having a wonderful resurgent. Resurgence, should I say, a band called Jamali. Roy, on this chilly Thursday evening, I don't know, we're moving towards spring, but it's still a bit of a nip in the air. Thank you for coming in and giving of your time. Cool. I want to jump I want to jump straight into it. Um, in our preparation for discussions, we were talking about Luiso, we were talking about Jamali, we were talking about Mojo Market, and then you drop the beautiful bombshell you've taken over and starting to work with Soweto Gospel Choir. A household name in South Africa. Let's talk about that before we go back to your DNA. Sure. How did that happen? So the manager, Bev of Soweto Gospel Choir, she left and retired essentially. And the choir is actually a property, one would say, of an Australian show producer that put it together. And he was looking for someone to take over representation in South Africa and Africa. And I was recommended by the label Gala Records and yeah, had a conversation, had a good rapport with him, saw that there was an alignment of what I see that I could do for the choir and... Hold on. You say we saw an alignment. What does that mean for the audience listening tonight? So... How do you align what you want to achieve and what the band wants to achieve? So I'm talking more from the founder of the group. His name's Andrew. And where he sees opportunities for the choir still. So one example, the choir has been around for a while. They've won three Grammys. They're in a way a household name. But like any other market, there's competition. So you've got the Lovo Youth Choir. You've got the Zanzi Youth Choir. A bunch of new choirs recently that have come to the fold and have done really well and are fantastic. So how do you then continue to grow as a brand. So what we've done is that we've collaborated with a producer in Australia, a house producer, and we're doing the history of house music where we're now taking into recordings house remixes with the choir singing on top of that. So we're trying to, I wouldn't say reinvent them, but make them more current because um, there is maybe a perception that the gospel choir is so established, they've been around, they've been booked so many times. How do you keep generating revenue and keep them fresh and get them to collaborate with different artists and 
and that's what we aligned on and where we see the the growth potential and future of the choir. A long-term future, when you work with a project like this, you don't see results immediately in six to eight weeks' time. It's a year project, maybe longer. Yeah, so there's both the short and the long term. So short term is, you know, now September, year-end functions. So from live revenues is traditionally more how artists make the bulk of their earnings. So it's that short term of how do you get into the event companies and governments and different organizations that are putting together events. So short term, how you create revenue and long term, strategically, how you grow this entity so that they become relevant and continue to get bookings and demand in the future. How, how big is the choir? How many peace um, members? So in total, there's 38 people that have been part of the choir. So we can actually at any given point do two to even three shows on the same night because generally people book around 16 people in the choir but we um for harmony reasons we have them in batches of four so the smallest we would do is eight and then you have 12 16 20 24 generally people book around 16 piece choir uh, so, so, we, so that's a good size for a corporate you're doing an end of year or you're doing a, a show you would have 16 members of the choir on stage correct. performing keyboard player and jambas so now they're in australia actually half of them are in australia and i was with them now on the weekend the ones that are not in australia are still around and they can do the shows here so we've got shows coming up while there is one of the groups touring in australia and they're going all around doing different shows while we have access to them yeah, which is beautiful. It's like taking an artist like Luis Obala, you know, you can clone him and have him doing shows in different provinces at the same time. If only <laughs> you could do that with various artists. So at least with the gospel choir, you've got so many of them that you could actually do multiple shows. Yeah. Lovely segue to to bring in and you just subtly name drop Luis Obala, who's a household name both on, on Cape Talk and on the sister station KFM and on, on the Joburg stations. You worked with him for many years. He's become absolutely iconic in South Africa. He's everything that's good about the music business. How did that relationship start? And what are the, the takeouts for young artists listening? Because they pitch up every day in terms of doing work and putting their best foot forward. Yeah, so Luisa is definitely someone that I've grown with over the years. I started working with him in 2007, which is, in fact, where I met you. You were working oh, at Sony. Oh, was it? Yeah. And I just left working at EMI and happened to be that I met a guy called George. He was starting to manage Luisa, but he didn't really have experience or networks in the music industry. And I had some from working at EMI for various years. Um worked with Louis, so he just came out of TKZ family. He was still at that time, what, like 22 or whatever. So he had a lot of hits on, that was a time when he just was releasing, I want you, blow your mind, take me back. At one point there were five songs on, I think the top 20 on the South African charts at the same time. So he was really like the hot property at the time. And you know, when you're a young artist, there's so much demand and kind of temptations, I guess, you know, so everyone wants a piece of you and girls and clubs and this and they used to be like the, you know, the late nights and as a manager having to like, we have to get to the next flight, like you're still sleeping, get going, you know, and he's developed so amazing as a person and as a business person, um, working with him over so long to see that, yeah. Did you see that, um, and we're talking about Luis Obala, and I've got Roy Harmon, manager, and 
music entre- entrepreneur with us tonight on the business of entertainment if you've just tuned in. Going back to Luiso, he left TKZ. TKZ were the biggest thing in the country. He was TKZ family. So family. That's why his brother was the core of TKZ. And then they released an album with TKZ family and they toured with that. So yes, but what you were saying? Did you see that early on that he had the drive and then as manager, your role is actually to keep the artists safe. Am I correct? Well, one of the roles, uh, managing Loiso and starting to manage Loiso, I never knew what I was getting into. I came out of working at a record label in marketing and A&R, and there was this opportunity. I kind of said, eh, let me let me go for it. And Loiso basically, to take him to, it's to keep him safe, but also strategically giving advice of where the career is. What does he stand for musically? What is the music about? Um, you can't just do, you know, a pop song and then you're doing jazz and you're doing like all different, you have to have some direction of who you are and what you stand for as an artist. So it's giving that direction. It's also giving um, striking deals, obviously. So from endorsements, um, let's say there's a music video that we would want to do and we are independent artists at the time, you need to raise funds for that. So manager's role in South Africa is also to try and get product placements, brand endorsements, um, media, plugging. There's a lot of different hats, I guess, that I would wear in Luiso's case um, over the many years that we've worked together. Are there enough managers in the country of your ilk and and caliber? And is it understood enough what the manager does? Because it is so integral to an artist's success. You see overseas and you can mention them, the 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 gods of music management. One thinks of a, a person like Scooter Braun. One goes all the way back to the Beatles. You look at uh, Bruce Springsteen's manager. They've been around for years. You look at U2's management. Mm-hmm. They almost become part of the band. Sure. Uh, I don't think there's enough management or qualified management in South Africa. I think there's so much talent, but it's a bit of a chicken and egg situation because artists generally do not pay a manager flat fee. There's a commission that gets taken, 15, 20% or so. Um, so if an artist is not earning money, the manager is not earning money, therefore, you know, one has to to live and feed their family and themselves. And it's it gets to a point that, I think there's a lot of people that could be doing a great job, but because um, the music industry in South Africa is quite a small compared to global market, um, a lot of artists that could be breaking borders and earning, I think they quit too early and the managers quit too early and they move to do something else and to try their hand at something else because they've realized that they're not really making money from being a manager. So we do have quite a shortage of skills in management, I think. I want to touch on another band that you worked with integrally, um, Jamali, and they've just, you said to me, just sent the Springboks off to go and, as I call it, eat croissants in in, yeah. in France for the Rugby World Cup. Um, a beautiful time in, in South African music working with that band. They were the first, how can I use it in inverted commas, not being derogatory, real girl band that really did things. And like a, from a reality show, one of the first kind of reality show music artists that came out of, of that, that subsequently then The Voice and Pop Idols. Um, yeah, working with three girls had challenges, as you can imagine. Mm. Um, yeah, traveling with them and the politics internally, but they've been fantastic. They're all doing their own things independently now. 
and it's been 20 years since they finished uh, Pop Stars, and they're doing shows around that. Uh, they did a big one in the State Theatre in Pretoria, and they're looking to do one in Johannesburg. So that is a group that I no longer manage, but you know, you have a soft spot for them. Yeah, so I assist them if they need, and if they're looking for a sponsorship to do this tour. I put my feeders out there. If there's certain events that I can get them on, I would. But I, I'm no longer, yeah, managing them at the moment. Yeah. If you've just tuned in, you're listening to the business of entertainment every Thursday night on Cape Talk from nine to nine thirty, and I'm chatting to Roy Harmon about management and artists, and it's a lovely segue moving into something that I think most Cape Talk listeners know about: the Mojo Market in the end of Seapoint. What's it? Regent Road, am I right? Yeah. 30 to be precise. Ah, there we go. Thank you. 30 Regent Road. Roy, that is your brainchild. You got involved there. Um, incredible artists seem to be coming through there. How did that whole space evolve and you getting your hands dirty in it? So interestingly enough, the reason I got involved is because of my management work. Um, I was managing at the time an artist called Matthew Gold. He was living in Cape Town, he doesn't anymore. And I saw this building go up, being developed, and I had an office near there. So I walked past, I found out who the owner was. I asked them, you know, surely you're gonna be doing a media launch to, to launch this market. Can I suggest that Matthew Gold performs at this event? And I was pushing him as a manager. How many years ago was this? Uh, 2016, early, to April 2017, they opened. Wow. And they said, no, we don't really like, we don't want that kind of music. <laughs> we we want a jazz group. Can you organize us a jazz group? So I said, yeah, yeah, there's a few jazz guys I know. Um, got Justin Belez as a quartet to perform at the at the opening. And they said, this was really nice. Can we start doing entertainment on the weekend? Started doing that. And from then on, it just kept going. They wanted it every night of the week. We currently have 54 live artists a month and so every day of the week you go there live music and it seems like it's become a really popular space for people to come and enjoy music and it's quite a difficult one at times to get right because the balance between it being a food market essentially that people go to connect with friends and have a conversation and a live venue because we are so short of live venues, I think that's where it struck a nice chord with people that people come there, especially on the weekends from all walks of life and they enjoy the music there, but it's not a live music venue. So we can't you know, raise the volume to a certain level because it's a residential area. So we have to respect that. So it's been quite um, interesting challenge to get it right, but it's become, I think, quite a important and key um, advantage that mojo has and and it's kind of something that people enjoy about mojo because i know they can just go there and there'll be hopefully a quality live artist that they can watch for free and get some food you know and yeah and seven and a half years later it's going strong to be originally when it opened i said no this maybe has a lifespan of two three years people will get bored of it and it just seems to grow and grow which is really nice to see yeah. I mean, it's a staggering number that you mentioned sort of off the cuff, 54 acts. Well, uh, over these years, I've got a spreadsheet for all the artists. <laughs> I'm nearly at 4,000 artists booked for it. Yeah. I'm listening to this. I'm a, a one-man band. I'm perhaps busking at the waterfront and that. What are you looking for in terms of 
applications. Can people still apply to you? And yep. what and what do they need to, to, to send you as a document that might interest you to book them? Sure. Because they, they do get remunerated, am I right? It, it might not be their massive gig fee, but they yeah. do get they, they do they do they get do, paid. And a lot of artists have also told me that they have booked giving booked for corporates or private events or weddings where they can charge more for by being seen at Mojo. So we've had a lot of well-known and established artists like the Rivertones have been doing a weekly slot for for a long time. And, you know, it's the fee that they get is usually much higher, but they do it because they've been getting other shows by doing it. So they're um, absolutely using it as a calling card, basically. Come and see me live here, but correct, look yeah. what else I can do. Correct, yeah. So to answer your question, though, generally what I tell people, and we do get submissions all the time still, and it amazes me how vast the talent pool is after seven years, you'd think I would have seen or heard of most of the <laughs> artists, um, is to get some live performance link, um, a repertoire list, and also the kind of setup that you perform. So obviously a live performance link would, in most cases, show how you perform. If it's with a keyboard player, or if you're just a singer, singer-songwriter, is it with a band? Um, we try and stay away from backtrack performances at Mojo. I, I was going to ask you about the backtracks. And and what is the sweet spot for, for the size of the band? Is it drummer, bass player, guitarist, and a keyboard player, and a singer? Or can you take sort of a 10-piece ensemble? What what, what works in, in that um, environment? Yeah, I would say n- not a... A huge setup because of the acoustics and and the volume, know, yeah, and the volume restrictions essentially. But on the weekend, we generally have yeah four piece bands. We've got a g- digital drum kit in there um, that we have artists and drummers performing on, um, and sometimes duos, trios, whatever, whatever. There isn't like a certain mold that we have. It's it has to fit for the audience. So I know over many years the type of audience that comes on a Saturday. And on a Sunday. And for Sunday, I know a jazz kind of setup would work best, where a Saturday evening we go into a bit more pop and dance and disco, where Friday is a bit more for a rock kind of crowd. So I wouldn't program a rock band for a Saturday night generally because I know who the audience is and you want to speak to that audience. And And also just to end off, I don't, there's a lot of artists that I don't book for Mojo as much as personally I love them and I think they're fantastic because. You have to book for the crowd, and I can't just book some avant-garde, you know, indie artists that I might think is fantastic, because then it falls flat. And I've I've lived and learned that from the beginning, um, and I try and stay away from that. So yeah. How far ahead are you booking for? Um, uh, generally six to eight weeks. Yeah. And I'm listening to this, and I want to send you something. Can I just email you um, yeah. links and a biography and that to to stand a chance to apply? Yeah, sure. My email is Roy, R-O-Y, at respectmusic.coza. And you can just send me, ideally, links is better than attachments. Um, If you don't think you're at a point where you want to submit something on public on YouTube, for example, you can just put a private link and share it, and not just with me, but other venues and uh, media, etc., to try and get the word out about who you are as an artist. It's a fascinating discussion, and if you've just tuned in, we're having our discussion with Roy Harmon, who looks after Mojo Market, Louiso, now Soweto Gospel Choir, about entertainment and the business of entertainment. And it's a lovely point moving forward. Is music respected enough by people listening, by society in general? 
in this country? Do we place enough emphasis on the wonderful bringing together that music does? I think generally people do appreciate the value that music has. Uh, but I think from a, let's say, sponsorship and government point of view, it's very much underrepresented from the the whole uh, revenue on the business side of the of the pie. Essentially, sports gets about eighty percent of the of the fees going from sponsorship and branding rights, mostly due to the broadcast um, rights that they have on TV and the viewership. Um, but the emotional connection that people have towards music, I always say is so vast and so deep and people always have memories of this song going back to when they got married or they had their kids etc people people love music in south africa and i don't think there's enough like money and business going into it and yeah are big cities and i don't want to name them we live in one of the major cities in in south africa um the the civil servants taking entertainment seriously enough I know you've been involved in some of the, the street festivals in the roads and trying to close off roads and things like that. It seems incredibly onerous and difficult. I mean, off the top of my head, head in, in the middle of summer, we should be closing off Beach Road and having food trucks and, and buskers and performers happening. It happens in all the other major cities in the world. We, we seem to, to lack that. Is that one of the, the challenges that you're finding in terms of being a voice for those creatives to have more space to play? Sure. So there's a property that I do in Regent Road. We close the road. Uh, we've formed the Regent Road Precinct Association with all the businesses on the road, truly trying to create this perception and inviting people to showcase Regent Road and Seapoint as what we say, the jewel of Cape Town. And in that, we do these street parties, road closures a couple of times a year and dealing with the city on that there there is red tape they obviously want and have to have every event very safe there's traffic congestion issues so in what they have to deal with and there's there's reason why they they have all this red tape and all these hurdles right uh, you can't just have anyone closing streets and putting on parties and things for for obvious reasons um but in saying that they have realized that it's become quite cumbersome to to do the permit applications and to jump over hoops with audited financials, a million and one things that they require. And they are, it seems, trying to get communities to be able to empower them to to do it on their own with less red tape. So but would it, would it hopefully not, we'll see more of these. Would it not be nice to sort of look at the calendar year and go, end of February, we're blocking off this area, end of June, we're doing a winter festival, we're doing a spring festival, etc., and blocking off certain dates so that the paperwork and the red tape could just roll over so that you know in, in your planning calendar. Mm. I mean, I, I, I look at what happens at the, the DHL Cape Town Stadium. There's very little entertainment or music or food and that outside yeah. the event. There's a, a stadium right next door. That could be a food court. That that could be a meeting area prior to the games. Yes, we don't want a, a party till midnight, but certainly pre the game because post the game is not so good. Yeah. One team won yeah, and sure. another team lost. Mm. You want to do all the stuff beforehand. Um, is that the type of thinking we should be looking at going forward in terms of 
building the creative economy in, in, in cities like Cape Town and, and perhaps in other cities as well? I, I would love that. I think it comes down to, to rands and cents a lot of the time because artists need to be valued, they need to be paid, so do the technical people and the private security and there's a whole bunch of people that are enabling an event of this nature and and one has to budget for it. So where does it come from? Obviously, corporate and commercial sponsors is is key, trying to get them because you can't expect the city to fund all these things. Um, so I think the city is happy to enable them and grant permits, but they can't fund a, a multiple of events because there's X amount in the in the budget. So, but it but but it should be a um, ongoing discussion um, mm. with the powers that be in in the various cities around the country to make it easier. Am I right? Sure. Th- th- I think that that's what you'd like to see. What I'm yeah, glean- and, gleaning and from you said, from your like points more for a program and a calendar, also f- from a budget point of view, that will enable organizers like myself and others to to plan more in advance so with the region road event we every time after the last event finishes we go back to the drawing board to try find finances for the next event Mm -hmm. so just like i'm in this position where i'm trying to get funding secured for a year in advance so we can plan accordingly buy what we need to schedule advertise there's many others like me, I'm sure, that are in that position. So it would be better to try to obviously c- commit financially. And I think the city and sponsors do that with, with other promoters and other events. But I think this specific event is still quite a new one. So it's still organically growing in that way. Yeah. Are you a risk taker? I'd say yes and no. I'm generally quite, <clears throat> I wouldn't say conservative, but when I do believe in something, and I've got like a passion and a chiss for it, then I'll go for it. And it's not a matter of saying like, oh, I'm going to make money from it immediately. It's more I'm at a stage in my career where I would do it because I'm passionate about it and I wake up excited about whatever it is that I'm now working on. And hopefully, you know, the financial benefit of it will come down the line. Um, So from a risk point of view, I'd say yes in that way because... A lot of time people want to know they're getting paid to do something. I mean, I, I find it an, an incredible story, that backstory about Mojo Market. You were walking past and you saw something that developers didn't see and, and look what it's done now. You must be very proud of that. Yeah, I think if it wasn't me, someone else would have done it. So a lot of the time, I think with any business, not just music, as a as a business person, entrepreneur, whatever you call it, you have to take the opportunities if you see something or if you think of an idea i always think at that given point if you've thought of an idea for a business someone else has also thought of it and it's who's going to execute and do it first so ideas a lot of people have ideas and they're not really worth much unless you put them to action really and first market or doing it properly and yeah so i am i'm proud of it because i live in the area also and for me i get joy out of seeing people enjoy it and going there and talking fondly about it. So that's where I get the a lot of the value also with doing this uh, Region Road social event. Is that what drives you? That seeing that opportunity and looking at it and going, yes, let's give it a go. And when I give it a go, how long do you give it a go for? Because so many people, as you said earlier, give up so early. Managers give up, artists give up. What 
time frame should you set yourself in terms of we're in the middle of September? I've got this idea. Well, do I give it a year? Do I give it six months? What do I do? I'm a creative. Okay. So as a creative, what, like recording songs? and Recording songs, just getting, on getting into the business, getting onto stages, doing things because I'm in a rut. So if you're confident that you're good and you've also had that sort of response from external people, not just your parents and your, your girlfriend <laughs> Those or Those are your the boyfriend. worst critics. <laughs> yeah. Um, you just have to keep going. You just grow step by step. You like you're not gonna generally go from like zero to a hundred. You have to put in these little what they call atomic habits, which are small little steps. And every day you add a bit more until you're really competent in what you do. And someone sees you and partners up with you, and the flame ignites. Basically, it's not something that generally happens overnight. There are very few artists out there that you've heard of that have had overnight success. I want to backtrack to a little line, a little slip away that you dropped in. You need to partner, you need to work. So many people want to work in isolation. Good thing or bad thing? Oh, bad thing, generally speaking. You know, artists, as we said, the talent pool in South Africa is vast and in Cape Town. And a lot of artists do not have someone that works with them to, as an artist, you don't want to always be the one saying, I'm so good, listen to me. Yeah, it's good to have an external person that is representing you that is part of your team. So I don't think you can work in isolation. When you're in studio and you're in a creative space, that's fine. You can work in isolation, but then also that creative idea, it's never good to just end it off in isolation. You have to then... I think, work with other people that are experts in, in mixing or different live musicians that can add live instruments onto your recordings, if we're talking about music recordings. Um, so, yeah, maybe initially it's fine, but then you have to let go and and receive constructive criticism and accept it and and grow with that. Yeah. And on that note, thank you very much. We'll see you next Thursday night. Good night from myself, Martin Myers. Making brands and sense of SA's entertainment industry. Business of Entertainment with Martin Myers on K Talk. On K Talk.